Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hi, uh, that's Jess right there. Uh, if you're watching at home, she's on screen right. I'm sitting in the centre, Dave, on the left. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for joining us. Jess, you've just come from your other studio, the Triple J Studios. That's right. Working your first shift. Yeah, yeah. Well, your first shift. It was of your my new first gig. day. Yes, uh, it was the first day of uh, of weekend arvos, which is very exciting. And what was on this weekend? The hottest one hundred. So cool that you're hosting the hottest one hundred. I did the hottest two hundred, but I it's mean, all part of the same weekend. Two hundred comes right after one hundred. That's right. Personally, I think it's the better hundred anyway. Everyone says that. Yeah, because it's not the one, the ones you know right at the the pointy end. Yeah, they're always good songs, but the ones that are just a little less super popular, are often the better tracks. Yeah. But, um, um, you know, it's just a little more underground, you know. <laughs> I like my Hottest 100 a little more underground. Mm, a little but less how cool hot. is that? 
We did an episode. I did a report, one of my first ever reports on this show. It was about the Hottest 100. Yeah. And now you host the Hottest 100. That, hottest was, 200. that was before I even worked there, I reckon. Yeah. So cool. So cool. What a, what a fun little full circle that yeah. is. If, uh, if you're a new listener or you're not from Australia and don't know what Hottest 100 is, go back and listen to that episode. It was like probably episode 15 or something. Yeah, yeah about very early. Five years back, yeah. And uh, I went through the history to that point. If I was doing it now, it would include a whole couple of hours about Jess Perkins and how she's really revamped mm-hmm. the whole concept. Yeah, me personally. Yeah. I had a lot to do with it. So I was listening. I was listening today and I turned on just before you played a song that I voted for. It was very. Oh my God. And you said that a lot of people were going uh, about time. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. I'm glad so, I didn't text in because <laughs> I would have said something very similar. Honestly, every time I played any song, you'd like, get a text have been saying, higher. oh, finally. <laughs> finally, I've been waiting should have been for higher. this one. Every song. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, how, that's kind of how it works, I guess. That's the countdown. We're counting down the mm. songs that you were waiting for. The best are the people who don't understand how voting works, so getting angry that Triple J have made mistakes when it's literally just which songs get the most were, votes. Were people demanding a recount? Yeah, all the time. Mm. Recount. Come Recount. on, let's go again. That is funny. Yeah, it is funny when all those things that happen. Like, uh, there's uh, too many Australian bands, or there's not enough, or <laughs> there's too many of a certain kind of music. There's not enough rock and roll. It's not as good as it was in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very funny. It's because most of the musicians were not alive in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Where's Neil Diamond?" <laughs> yeah. It's over, buddy. It's what about Powderfinger? <laughs> oh, mate. Actually, there was a Powderfinger song that was uh, eligible, I believe. Anyway, so yes, I've been talking all day and uh, and was very stressed because obviously with the countdown, like normally if you're like running out of time or you need to change songs around, you can just flick them around a little bit, play promos in different spots, whatever you need. Whereas this one, you had to play everything exactly as it's supposed to be planned because if I played the wrong number or the wrong song, then I fucked it. That would have been oh. quite funny. That would be because, I mean, who would know? You just go, oh, the order changed. <laughs> Yeah. The bosses would just know. emailing the person who runs the website. The people who have worked so hard over many months, they would know. Right. But anyway, I didn't make any mistakes. You sound, so. you sound so comfortable in there, Jess. Thanks so much. It's Pretty. almost like I talk a lot. It's like you do it for a living. Yeah, it's crazy. You should get a job there. Do you reckon? Yeah. How do I do that? I don't know. I don't who know. should I ask? Go through the should I ask my appropriate boss? channels. <laughs> yeah. Should I ask my boss for a job? Yeah, she'll know. Okay. Now, you've been talking all day, Jess, and you're about to do a lot more talking, but we thought we'd give you a load off for a minute now. Yeah. Because uh, a couple of months ago, I put the call out <laughs> uh, to listeners at home who are musically inclined, uh, if they'd like to send in a, a little jingle that explains the show, because we're so terrible at it. We're really bad at it. And uh, we've had a few weeks off, mainly because we've been, we're bad at explaining the show, we're also bad at queuing up the songs that explain the show. <laughs> That's right. We've had a bunch sent in, and I believe we've got a new one now. We do. This one is from Sean Muggan in Canada, and uh, hopefully this will explain how the show works. That was painful to hear. Oh. 
God, yeah, so me so rude. It's a little feature. I feature in that yeah. track. Wow, did that make the hottest 200? Yes. Hottest 300? Yes. Feet, feet bop. It was two, $2.99. I Whoa. enjoyed that a lot, a lot, especially the bit where he went boo-up, boo-boo-up. Yeah. Were there monkeys screeching in the background? It sounded like it, yes. Love that nod to primates. Yeah, so good. Love that. Well, yeah, we've got a few more um, in the bank that we'll hopefully remember to play over the next few weeks but if you want to have a crack please by all means send it to do go on pod at gmail.com thanks so much for that sean fantastic stuff and i really love how you've interpreted 60s sitcom theme i think that slowly evolved i think maybe one or two went right as you asked for and everyone else is uh, taking it for a bit of a walk i love yeah, that love that i love the um the artistic license yeah don't let dave Pigeonhole you. Yeah, fuck Dave. Fuck Dave. <laughs> hey, I just said I like the boo up 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 Fuck you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but as Sean said, we always start with a question. And my question is, who is commonly referred to as public enemy number one? Oh, Chuck D. <laughs> Flavor Flav. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, who can name someone from the band first? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm guessing that's not right. Um, no, sadly not. Okay. Either. Public enemy number one. Oh, oh Dillinger? John Dillinger. Correct. No shit. Yeah. That just came into my head. Great well work. Done. And then I said it. Is it because you looked at my screen earlier? Oh, no. You fucking Didn't look at you your little screen. spy. There's, you spy. Dog. There's another. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, the metal band. Oh, uh, yeah. Did that get a little mention later on? No. <laughs> But it just got to mention then. Okay, great. So Shout out to Dillinger's Escape Plan. I'm so glad no one will be shouting at their iPods. This is one that I've put up to the vote before. Um, I actually went through and I put up um, three topics, all of which uh, I've put up before. It was like a second chance vote. I hadn't done one of those for a while. And I like to do them because they're usually uh, topics that sort of just missed out. So if you never put them up again, then they'll never get done and they're still really great stories. Um, and this one won with like 45% of the vote. It was a landslide. A yeah, it was huge. Out of what, in a three-horse race? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 45 out of what? Oh, my God, Dave. 45. I'm, uh, wow, 100%. So, this is great. This is because uh, this is a big historical thing that I know the name of. Yeah. Apparently somewhere in my brain I knew it was a public enemy number one. Yep. And that's about it. Yeah. I'm picturing Tommy guns, but I don't know if that's the Probably right era. Right, right, yeah. Hats. Hat. There's definitely hats Suits. involved. Suits. Pinstripe. Pinstripe suit. Yeah, classic sort of uh, gangster stuff. That's Is that right. right, yes. And I, it's a huge story, and there's a lot packed into a, a relatively short period of time. I've done my best to kind of, I don't know, give you the... The, the main important parts, but there's heaps and heaps of information and, and I'll tell you, like there's like so many movies and TV shows and everything about... So you're telling Dillinger. me the band Dillinger Escape Plan isn't one of the main parts of yeah, the story. Yeah, that is interesting. You've, yeah. you've uh, failed to get onto that part. But it, it does sound like what you've done here is you've taken a big story uh-huh. and you've summarised it uh to a level that will be appropriate for a comedy podcast. Exactly right. Ah. Oh, yes, thank you. If somebody could incorporate that into the 60s style jingle. <laughs> boo up, boo, boo up. And then I'd be like, they're not historians or, you know, academics. <laughs> they're, they're not just, qualified in any way. They're just three little fuckheads who like to have some fun. One day, Dave, you'll get your doctorate of podcasting. That's right. Honestly, Dave. And, um, well, you know, I am a, a majored in criminology. Yeah, That's so right. this is right up your alley. Sort of. Not re- I mean, not really, but... 
you know, it's tangential to it. It's been suggested by a bunch of people. Um, Aaron Wolf, Noah Over, Jacob, McKenna Middlebrook, Alicia Moore, Gunnar Goodall, uh, Nick Andrews, Perry Ritter and Tim Randall have all suggested this topic uh, in Jack the Hat McVitie. So thank you so much As for suggesting it. As per usual, what a fantastic bunch of names. Incredible. So good. Um, I really liked this kind of intro from FBI.gov. Oh, wow. During the 1930s Depression, many Americans, nearly helpless against forces they didn't understand, made heroes of outlaws who took what they wanted at gunpoint. Of all the lurid desperados, one man, John Herbert Dillinger, came to evoke this gangster era and stirred mass emotion to agree to a degree rarely seen in this country. Herbert, fantastic middle name. <laughs> Incredible middle name. <laughs> he tries to bury that for the, the image, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, nobody knows that. So Herbert's shut up, likeable. FBI. You know, Herbert's always cool, likeable people. Yeah, Herb. Herb. Herby when they're a baby. Yeah, love You know, you want a name that can evolve with you. Yeah. You know, so Herbie as a baby, yeah. then Herbert yeah. as a child into man, and then Birdie Herb. as an early early twenties. Birdie, and, mm. and then Unky Herb, Unky Herb, Herb. HB, the pencil, lead face, <laughs> lead head. Yep. You know, there's a bunch uh, that you can work through. <laughs> you know, yeah, take your pick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when's your grandpa? He's lead head. Lead head. Yeah. <laughs> Can I go see Leadhead? <laughs> Stay away from him. <laughs> well, John Dillinger was born on the 22nd of June 1903 in the Oak Hill section of Indianapolis, a middle-class residential neighbourhood. His father, also John, was a grocer and apparently quite a harsh man who was very firm in his discipline of his children. Dillinger had a sister, Audrey, who was about 14 years older than him, and she essentially took over a parenting role when their mother, Mary Ellen, passed away when John was almost four years old. Audrey cared for a younger brother while having a family of, of her own with her husband, Emmett, in total having seven children. Eventually, John went back to living with his father when he was remarried to Elizabeth Fields, and they had three children in their marriage as well. So he sort of kind of raised a little bit with his sister and, and brother-in-law and then back with his dad, stepmom and half-siblings. Sounds like quite a few kids. Quick question. Mm-hmm. Do they know what's causing it? Hmm. Dave? Uh, no comment. Okay. I'm doing a little signal here with my fingers, one forming a little hole uh-huh. and the other one a pointer, and I'm putting them in and out of each other. Um, Looks like a magic thoughts? trick gone wrong. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to do it so it looks like your thumb's been cut off, like oh, this. No, but this is uh, this is very different. Oh no, I don't follow. Hmm. Well, picture this ring here. Uh huh. That's a hand moot. <laughs> this little pointer here. Yeah. Finger dick. Hmm. You with me? No. Hmm. All right. <laughs> so sorry. Agree to disagree. <laughs> it would sound a little something like this. <laughs> don't do the sound. <laughs> He did. That was not me. That was not me. Okay, Dave. All right, Dave. That was not me. Man of a Thousand Noises, number 969. Squelch. (laughs) (laughs) As a teen, John was frequently in trouble with the law for various things. Fighting and theft came up a lot. He was described as having a bewildering personality, which is, I mean, one of the best descriptions I've ever heard. What do you think that means? Yeah, exactly. Does that mean he's a bit weird or he's very interesting? Or he's terrifying? Yeah, what does that mean, bewildering? All of the above. Would you describe me as bewildering? Uh Yeah, (laughs) I often feel bewildered by you. Thank you. In a good way? Oh, yeah. Is bewildering good? Sure. (laughs) Sure, if you want it to be. 
I don't know if I understand what that word means now that I'm thinking about it too much. Yeah. Hmm. Agree to disagree. <laughs> he was often also in trouble at school for bullying. So finally he quit school, got a job in a machine shop in Indianapolis. Making machines? Yep. Makes sense. Yeah, selling machines, making machines. Right, wow. He'd do it all. Although intelligent and a good worker, he soon became bored and often stayed out all night. His father thought, it must be the city that's making him act up. Mm. We'll move and he'll be a good boy. Yeah, Indianapolis has been known to turn good boys bad. That's right. City of sin. Yeah. That's why they moved to Mooresville, Indiana in 1921. Obviously, notoriously the maker of good boys. Yes. Mooresville. Uh, and John Jr. would have been around 17 or 18 at this point when his, his family moved. But funnily enough, moving to a farm in a rural area didn't exactly sort young John out. And in no time, he was up to his usual criminal ways. In fact, the following year, 1922, he was arrested for auto theft and his relationship with his father was pretty badly damaged as a result. Hmm. It's almost like it's just who he was. Huh. Mm. Nothing can be done. Bewildering. Ah, <laughs> 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 huh. well... I've tried one thing, so... <laughs> well, we moved nearby. Yeah, we moved not that far, and um, I'm still a bit of a prick to I Yeah, I've continued to be a real <laughs> bad dad, but... Yeah, I'm still um, very, very harsh. Did do the move. Though, so, in Dad's defence, like, he's going out all night in the city. We're going to go out all night in the farm. He's just on the tractor all night long. <laughs> Great. He's going, playing on the woo! field. <laughs> going on a joyride whilst uh, bringing in the hay. Yeah. It's actually kind of helping out. Thanks, John Jew. He's really um, learning the uh, the ropes so he can take over the farm one day. <laughs> That's the dream. But he doesn't know it. He doesn't know it. He thinks he's fired the system, but he's really upholding it. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, in 1923, he enlisted in the U.S. Navy, where he was a petty officer, third class machinery repairman. Remember, he's you know worked in a machine shop. He's like, I built this thing. Yeah, I know how to repair it. <laughs> and he was assigned on board the battleship USS Utah. Give me two. <laughs> And maybe this could be a turning point for John Dillinger. I think so. Mm. You know, a bit of structure. Not knowing the story, maybe the trouble he's been up to already is what he's infamous for. You've just skimmed over it yeah. and he becomes a priest he's, now. He was the first person to ever steal a car, so yeah. public enemy number one. Yeah, that's why he's so noteworthy. And then he just went on to do a lot of philanthropy. Wow. Yes. Nope, he deserted the ship when it docked in Boston and was dishonorably discharged a few months later. So he returned to Mooresville where he met 16-year-old Beryl Ethel Hovius. Oh. Hovius, Hovius. Beth, Beryl, Beryl Ethel. Ethel. Amazing. It doesn't roll off the tongue well. Beryl so, Ethel. Sounds like it should be on the periodic table. <laughs> the Beryl Ethel. Hydrogen, helium, Beryl Ethel. <laughs> Beryllium. <laughs> so the two were married the following year in 1924 and John and Beryl moved to Indianapolis and tried to settle down to a normal married life but John struggled to hold down a job and be a good husband. Along with his friend, town pool shark and ex-con Ed Singleton. <laughs> I thought that was going to be his name. <laughs> town pool shark. I mean, what a great title. <laughs> Oi, town. Every town's got one. <laughs> town pool shark. Unfortunately, his name is Ed Singleton. Isn't that a, what a funny, like, the whole thing about being a pool shark is that people don't know. Oh, right, so you hang around and, you know, bet yeah, some money. You fleece people off their money if everyone if knows know. there's a pool shark <laughs> tell you what don't take him on a pool yeah. and then you go oh, i will because i reckon i've got him this yeah. time yeah <laughs> hundred down Unlike last time i've uh, i've picked up a thing yeah. i've been practicing yeah. i've never played pool before but i reckon i'm, I'm I gifted can do it. i beat him in this first game he didn't seem that good i'm gonna triple my bet <laughs> <laughs> got him right where i want him 
So, yeah, the town pool shark, Ed Singleton and uh, John Dillinger, started to plan a robbery. I also read, this is a little fun fact, that Singleton was the umpire for the semi-pro baseball team, the AC Athletics. That's the name of the team. Right. What's what's AC? That's a great question. Don't know. Something county, probably. Probably. But John Dillinger played for that team as a shortstop. I was like, what a weird... He seems to hate any kind of establishment and not really get involved in anything, but he's like, well, I play baseball, oh, obviously. Oh, team sports, yeah, great. Not, yeah, I love my team. Fantastic. I love the rules. <laughs> Respect them. I love the rules of the game. Mm, three strikes, you're out. I get it. I love stopping the ball, which I think is what <laughs> I that position is. my job does. to do. At the, at the short, at the short Distance. point. Distance. Yeah. So their big robbery plan was to rob a grocery store. Well, he knows grocery stores. Exactly. His yeah. father's a grocer. He knows the ins and outs of the grocery. Yes. Maybe he didn't rob his dad's store. Or maybe this is the comeuppance his dad needs yeah. to break down the barriers and Just the two start a, a, a dialogue. Nothing like pulling dialogue a gun on your dad. Yeah. No, to really like get it. the emotion flowing. Yeah. Gets the blood pumping. Let's be vulnerable, mm. Dad. <laughs> give me all your money. Give me your money. And then give me your thoughts and feelings. Mm, yes. yeah, give me your emotions. And me, then give me your appreciation. Yeah. And tell me you love me. Give me your validation. If I can be completely honest, Dad. Just, just a, little a little bit, bit of validation is all, all I need. I just needed to know that you're proud of me. And, you know, you assume I know that, but you don't express it. So mm. how, how can I know? I'll uh, also take all the tobacco. Yes, if you Just in this bag, please. Um, yeah. And quickly, please. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I can hear the sirens. You don't want your son going to jail, do you? <laughs> So they did. They uh, they enacted their plan to rob the grocery store, and they walked away with a whole fifty dollars cash. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is in the like nineteen twenties, so I guess that's you know nothing to sneeze at, but it's not a huge amount of money. Sure. Sure. But while they were fleeing the scene, they were spotted and recognised. And they were reported to police. Hey, aren't you John Dillinger? No. <laughs> no, no. Shut up. Oh god. This is before Balaclavas. <laughs> Um, no, that's my brother. Okay. Oh, Bob Dillinger. Um, so they were both arrested the next day and Singleton pleaded not guilty while Dillinger was convinced to plead guilty. His father, like, had a chat to someone who was like, tell him to plead guilty. Well, anyway, so he spoke that, to the, His dad spoke to the prosecution. On that fairly poor advice... Um, uh, well, okay, so during the robbery, Dillinger had struck a victim over the head with a machine bolt wrapped in a cloth, and his gun had gone off, but no one was hit. So he hit someone over the head, and the gun went off. Okay, that Be- doesn't sound good. Because of this, he was convicted of assault and battery and conspiracy to commit a felony, and he was sentenced to 10 to 20 years. Oh, dear. Which was a pretty, it was a very harsh sentence. Especially back then, because they only lived till they were 15 or so. In those days. <laughs> that's, a, that's a life sentence plus five. Yeah. Like if he was just born, yeah, yeah, Which I think he was. Yeah, I believe yeah, he's a baby. But striking the baby someone... bandit, <laughs> that's he's famous for striking someone with a bolt. That's not good. No, that would I reckon that would be an owie. Yeah, depends on the bolt. If you're thinking like one that maybe you have in in say a, a putting your IKEA bed together, yeah, and then sure. wrapped Probably in a really bounce off, wrapped in a really nice soft cloth. Yeah, you go, hey. What are you doing? <laughs> why'd you, why'd you do that? And why'd then you he, wipe a cloth on me? And then his gun goes off. Oh, shit, sorry. Oh, no. This is my first time. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. We're all a bit frazzled. <laughs> yeah, and then the shop owner's like, all right, be, all right, let me talk you through it. You should probably tell everyone to get on the floor. Yeah. Uh, act tough. Yeah. 
maybe one of you should stand by the door, you know, not make sure nobody gets out. Yeah, yeah. I'll oh, take this cash. You want this money? Want, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to open this up. Give me that bag you've got. I'll put some cash in it. Yeah, great. You're doing great. You're doing great. Hey, no, no, no. Hey, you got to start somewhere. You know, you got to start somewhere. Hey, I'm like stoked that you chose my shop to yeah, start in. Yeah, thank you so much for, you know, because that means you thought I probably make a lot of money. Yes. And that means a lot to me that, you know, the, the advertising I've been paying for, the <laughs> letterbox drops I've been doing, they're working. Yeah, you know? I'm really struggling. I can't wait to go home and tell my wife. Hey, can you believe a man robbed me today? <laughs> me! Me! That's just the boost I needed. <laughs> That's right. You keep telling me I was a loser and I was no one. Well, guess what, baby? I just lost $50. <laughs> now, where's my dinner? I'm a hungry boy. So, uh, yeah, he was he was sentenced to 10 to 20 years and he was an inmate at both the Indiana Reformatory, Reformatory and Indiana State Prison between 1924 and 1933. Oh, so you went for nine. Yeah. And what about his mate? Did he go to jail? Uh, yes, but uh, I think he ended up serving a, a much shorter time. Damn. So some people are sent to prison and learn the error of their ways and are truly reformed, mm. but... Uh, stunned by the harsh sentence, Dillinger is quoted as saying, I will be the meanest bastard you ever saw when I get out of here. He said that to the judge on the way out. <laughs> it like it really cemented like his fuck you kind of. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So during his time in prison, he befriended seasoned bank robbers, uh, Harry Pete Pierpont. I don't know why. Your name's Harry. I don't know why they're calling you Pete, but. Uh, Charles Mackley, Russell Clark, and Homer Van Meter, who taught Dillinger how to be a successful criminal. Homer Van Meter. It's a great name. Hard to fly under the radar with that name. He comes up again later, Homer Van Meter. We're now, this is getting into a lot of stuff that went through my degree, criminology stuff about prisons not necessarily being the reforming institutions that some people hope they can be. Yeah. Um, It doesn't necessarily feel like a great idea to put a bunch of criminals together. It's, it feels like that he's, rather than sitting there and thinking about what he's done, he's yeah. thinking about what they've done to him. Yeah. And how exactly he can get right. back yeah. at them when he gets out. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it do, it was a harsh sentence, but it doesn't really feel like if he'd been given community service or anything or a year, it feels like he'd have the same sort of fuck you reaction, you know? Yeah, there's a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, it can depend. Maybe, maybe if they just... Maybe if you just got the right person, yeah, taking him under his wing to be vulnerable. Yeah, maybe maybe if the prison librarian said, "Hey, I yeah. got a book that's right up your alley." Yeah, to kill a mockingbird. Yeah, <laughs> real <Whoa>. good. <laughs> and then it's not, it's it's on the download. I don't think it's quite been written yet. Mm. <laughs> I've drafted <laughs> it's a, it. It's a manuscript. Don't show anyone, please. <laughs> please, it's my life's work. And then it turns out John Dillinger doesn't know how to read, so that he teaches him to read, and it's this beautiful moment, and he learns to like really grow through reading. Oh, that does sound beautiful. But that's not what happened. Oh, I know. Sorry. <laughs> Disappointing. So he's met all these seasoned bank robbers, and so they spend their time in prison planning bank robberies they'll commit once they're released. So he's really committed to his chosen life of crime too. Apparently while he was in prison, he studied the robberies of Herman Lamb, a former Prussian army soldier who believed a heist required all the planning of a military operation. Right. And he's presumably written books about (laughs) bank robbery and then in the prison library they for some reason keep these books. (laughs) (laughs) Again, not the best Hmm. prisons. Hmm. How to kill a prison guard. (laughs) 101. What you want to do is you want to find the prison guard named Gary. <laughs> and Gary's like, Aww. oh, shit. Come on. 
So you really have to appreciate the level of commitment to crime. Really, yeah, yeah, he's, really he's, he's really like, you know he's, what? He's knuckling down. Yeah, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> you got a degree in criminology. He's got a degree in crime. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, obviously um, at a young age, and a lot of people don't have this. People are bouncing around, don't really know yeah. what they're calling. And that's okay. But he found that. He found that quicker than most. Yeah, that's that's really lucky. He's been working at it since he was quite young. You know, my dad says, I still don't know what I want to do. <laughs> you know, and it's like, Dad, you're retired. Dad. It's too late. Rob a bank. <laughs> Dad, <laughs> if you're listening, rob a freaking bank Come already. On, yeah. Get the book. I really hope retiring is what he wants to do because he's nailing well. it. Yeah. Yeah. He should lean in. Yeah, this is what I wanted all along. Oh like, man, I want to retire. Good <laughs> Fuck yeah, retirement would be so oh, good. Oh man, turns out you're a retirement prodigy. Yeah, I'm ready to you go. You love golf. Really like good at golf. Home. Caravan parks. Oh man, you could just potter. I reckon uh, you'd potter love well. To potter. Yes. Yeah. Just fix shit around the house every now and then. Yeah. And then if it doesn't need fixing, just break it and fix it again. Mm. Oh. Fantastic. That and, sounds great. Yeah, you just invite around clumsy people. All the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And they're so sorry and you go, hey, disappointed, but leave leave now. <laughs> um, you've sort of you've done what you came here to do and uh, let me get to work. I'm gonna go get my little glue set. <laughs> I've got a cup to fix. <laughs> Put on a, one of those belts with lots of different pockets yeah. and they're all different kinds of glue. Yeah. <laughs> Call me the glue man. <laughs> Essentially, your pottery is just gluing yeah. stuff. Yeah, gluing pottery. But you do. I'm it not well. a potterer. I'm a pottery Potter. gluer. <laughs> okay, what are we? What are I we doing don't here? Know. What, what is? What's happening? I don't know, and I, I'm sorry. He's so, Robin. He's learning to rob. Yes, that's yes. right. And after serving nine years in prison, he was paroled in May of 1933. Now, by this time, the Great Depression had been in full swing for about four years and it was showing no sign of letting up. So once again, Dillinger struggled to find gainful employment and once again turned straight back to crime. What well, also sounds like he wasn't trying to. No. Nah, he had he no did. real hopes to. I would have loved his parole hearing was, do you feel reformed? No. No. Do you have any plans? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, what are they? I'm going to rob a bank tomorrow. <laughs> Well, Paroled. Well, I like him. He's, can do. he's got spirit. I like his moxie. Yeah. Hey, take a lot of guts, to be honest here. <laughs> honesty is really appreciated here. I get a lot of lies, so thank you for your honesty. I love those movies. You know, they, I reckon they're, they don't do it so much anymore, but old movies, they'd often be an old guy, and you'd, everyone's thinking watching it. They build it up to make you think that the boss is, like, about to fire them. But instead he goes, I like your moxie. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the corner office. Mm. I reckon that's what would happen with this guy, Dillinger. Yeah. Do you think we can make like an old sitcom? Yeah. The Dillinger sitcom. Oh, that's good. I think we're having million dollar ideas right now. <laughs> Sorry, the, and the name of it is the Dillinger sitcom? <laughs> million dollar idea. In brackets, it's million, dollar idea. million dollar idea. Yeah. Is it a game show? It's what is this? <laughs> this is a genre uh, crisscrosser, uh-huh. Uh-huh, which is a new term for yes. uh, cross-genre. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> a, gen- a genre crisscrosser. crisscrosser. Uh-huh. And so. basically, so it's a sitcom yes. starring John Dillinger, yes. but it's also a game show game starring show. John Dillinger. Yes, and he, is, he wants to steal a million dollars and yeah. he wants to give away a million dollars. Oh, that's cool. A real yeah. Robin Hood kind if of If someone vibe. wins a million, then by the end of the episode, he's got to steal it. Actually, this is starting to sound like a good idea. <laughs> Do you think Andrew O'Keefe could host it? Yes, as John Dillinger. John Dillinger. Because, well, I mean, I haven't read to the end of the story that Jess is telling us. I haven't read to the start of it. 
But I have a funny feeling he's still not a, not still alive, but we'll wait, wait and hey, see. Because if he's still alive, he, he obviously gets first right of refusal. Yeah, Probably that's right. in the 30s. People could still be alive then, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, what was he born, 1903? He would just have to be the oldest man alive, mm-hmm. which there is still a chance. Yeah. I reckon it's possible. Feels like I'd know that. But <laughs> the oldest man alive is also public enemy number one. Crazy. Turns out that he that's the secret. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys not spoil the endings so, of my reports sorry. all the time? I really, I still think you're just keeping the surprise of John Diller and Drew's escape plan and uh, maybe a bit of their discography. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's the big finish. So shut up. I'll edit that out, the spoiler, and then... I'll do it at the end. Thank you. you know my friend uh, Tom Mitchell, who I'm sure is listening from Weed Hornet fame, he's toured with the Dillinger Escape Plan. Whoa. That's crazy. So. As Weed Hornet? Uh, not as. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've also toured with the Dillinger Escape Plan. I said Plan. that in a weird way because I was also <laughs> on that tour. I'm just trying to say there's only three you know, steps of separation between me and any Dillinger related thing. That's so, great. That's fascinating. Wow. Well, Dave, you mentioned like that he's going to rob a bank tomorrow. He actually waited about a month. Oh, oh okay. Maybe well, not it's got even. to plan it like a military operation. That's right. So on June 21st, 1933, the event he'd been studying and preparing for for nine years was finally ready to happen. His first bank robbery. You never oh. forget your first no. bank robbery. I haven't. The target was the New Carlisle National Bank in Ohio where he walked away with a better haul than his first robbery attempt, where a $50 theft landed him in prison for nine years. This time, he walked away with $10,000. Whoa. He's gone to jail for several hundred years <laughs> off the back of this. Like, that's a lot of money now. I'd love ten grand. So his first robbery was in Indiana, the great state, mm-hmm. God's country. Then he upgraded once more, the only state better than Indiana, Ohio. Yeah. Well, I mean, if this story finishes in Vermont, we'll have done... The trip ditch. Via Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> He's travelling down the Golden Mile. He's having a great time. Wow. Is that why it's called the Golden Mile? Yes, because of John Dillinger. <laughs> We're learning a lot today. I know. A couple months later in August, he also hit a bank in Bluffton, Ohio. This time, though, he was tracked down by police quite quickly and he was charged with both robberies. When the police searched him, they found a piece of paper which appeared to be a prison escape plan. They interrogated Dillinger, but he refused to say what it was. So they just let it go. What, yeah. Uh, d- did it have a heading? Prison escape plan? They're like, hmm. I don't seems really to be... know why he would need this. He's not in a prison. Mm. <clears throat> we'll let it go this time. But it would soon be revealed because, as it turns out, when he was in prison the first time, he'd helped plan an escape of eight men by getting friends to smuggle in guns, which they used to escape a few days after Dillinger's release. So once they'd all successfully escaped, they rendezvoused and formed the Dillinger Gang. Oh, and I can only assume that that was a Dillinger escape plan. Yes, that's right. That was the titular <laughs> escape plan. Can only assume. Whoa, and, I mean, he's held on to this escape plan for over a month and it's still on his person. <laughs> yeah. What a weird thing to do. Well, when you're proud of something, you I don't have in my pockets that often either, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I've got receipts in this handbag that are from... Shit I don't care about. Yeah, different heists from last century. Exactly. Yeah. So now he's got he's got the crew now. Yeah, he's got a gang. So anyway, he's um he's arrested for this for these two bank robberies and uh, he was taken to Allen County Jail in Lima and members of the Dillinger gang impersonated Indiana State Police officers and claimed they were there to extradite Dillinger to Indiana. 
I hope they impersonated them not by wearing their clothes, but by doing their voices. Uh, it's me, Darren. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm one of them Indiana cops. They're all in, They're in stripes, like they're in the prison outfits. Yeah. They're not prisoners, but they're in prisoner outfits. Going, it's me. But they so Willy. They, they walk into the room and they go. If I was an Indiana police officer, I think it would go a little something <laughs> like this. All right, guys, I need a situation and I need, I need a, a job. I need a job and a location. Uh, pr- prison, um, uh, Indiana guard. Oh, I've got this one. <laughs> oh, my God, this is perfect. Oh, easy. Thank you. And the, the, they're just mesmerised. Everyone yeah. is absolutely fooled. And Dillinger just sort of sneaks <laughs> out the back. Yeah. While while the uh, impersonators are getting a round of applause. Yeah. yeah wow. Standing Bill, ovation. Bill Clinton with a saxophone. <laughs> I knew it was you. <laughs> That's an impression. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think if Bill Clinton had a saxophone, it would go a little something like this. No, I did not have sexual relations. Is that him? <laughs> yeah, that's he said it. relations. Did he say relations? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you said it. You said something different. No, but I nailed it. <laughs> that's how yeah, he said that's it. That's how wow. he said it. That's the uh, state he's from's accent. Ah, oh, okay. There's a big uh, debate going on. In meanwhile, John Dylan just sneaks out <laughs> the back. He said relations weird. No, that's how Bill Clinton said it. <laughs> no, that was a good impression. It's actually a very accurate impression. <clears throat> so when Sheriff Jess Saba questioned the men, they shot him dead. And released Dillinger from his cell. So they shot the sheriff. Oh, no. I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, so many things are named after this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They and, escaped. The, and the deputy, any, any word on him? He did not kill the deputy. <laughs> <laughs> they escaped back to Indiana where oh. they joined the rest of their gang. Well, that's confusing. Now there's two escape plans. Right. I know. It's all over the place. Which one is it? We could form a new band. <laughs> <laughs> Dillinger escape plan, in brackets, the second one. <laughs> so the gang consisted of Pete Piermont, Russell Clark, Charles Mackley... Um, all, they're all ones that he'd met in prison earlier, but also Ed Schouse, Harry Copeland, and John Red Hamilton, a member of the Herman Lamb gang, the bank robber who Dillinger had studied while he was locked up the first time. Ah, I've got someone who's on the inside. Butterflies in his stomach. Talking him. <gasps> big fan. Big, well, big fan of your work. Big fan. big fan of your work. Please uh, don't let me step on your toes. So for the next year, the gang employed military-inspired tactics to undertake a massive string of robberies. Tactics included the use of roles during a robbery, so like a lookout, getaway driver, lobby man, vault man. I thought you meant like a lunch break. Yeah. I'm packing rolls. <laughs> what do you want? Ham and cheese? Yeah. You. <laughs> oh, salad for me. Okay. Chicken salad for me, thanks. No cheese. I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> so what were the roles there? Vault man. Sounds fun. Vault That's man. The one who goes to the vault day. Yeah, I like it's a it. bank robbery. Okay. There's vaults. That's an important role. Yeah, not the pole vault man. <laughs> Different role. Yeah. If you if you go in and the vault man's sick that day, your whole heist is fucked. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. You basically just walking around an office, yeah. pointing a gun at people. <laughs> I don't know how to get in the vault. They also had modern weapons like the Thompson submachine gun. Ooh, and goes al- underwater. And also had <laughs> bulletproof vests, which I reckon like very modern for the time. To stock up on what they needed, they plundered the police arsenals at Auburn, Indiana, and Peru, or in Indiana. Um, stealing several machine guns, rifles and revolvers, uh, a huge amount of ammunition and several bulletproof vests. So they just stole from the police. Whoops. 
<laughs> no, Dave, I think they did that on purpose. No. <laughs> oh, no, we've just made a very powerful oh. enemy. <laughs> oh, no, not the police. <laughs> Shit, there's heaps of them. <laughs> Anyone but the police. I Our mean, gang is big, but there's even bigger. Oh, my God. They're in every state. <laughs> We're only in two. Between June of 1933 and January of 1934, they robbed nine banks across Indiana, Ohio, and Wisconsin, walking away with over $180,000. Wow. Fantastic. Kind of it up to 10, surely. Annoyingly, they're moving away from Vermont. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dave. Thank you for focusing on what's important. <laughs> <laughs> we really wanted this end with a creamy heist. <laughs> Give me all your creamies. Let me get there. They're just so creamy. It's a magic ice cream. What is it like creamy. about the creamies? Well, they're just so creamy. creamy. <laughs> That's the ad. Same for me. On January 25th, 1934, Dillinger and his gang were staying in a hotel in Tucson when a fire broke out in the hotel. They were rescued through a window and two of the gang tipped several firefighters $12 each to go back into the hotel to retrieve their luggage. Presumably there was a lot of cash in the luggage. But also you're tipping firefighters to go back into fire? Hey, buy yourself something nice. $12 to go back into a burning building. No, like you're getting out of 10 and then two ones. <laughs> What do you reckon? Let me sweeten the deal yeah, a bit. That's on. actually, people don't know this, but that's how firefighters make a lot of their wages. <laughs> Little tips. Yeah, the hospitality environment over there isn't great. Uh, like, yeah, I could rescue your wife. It's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. So, so the good firefighters are the ones who are really charming. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And and who, like, fight the fire without a shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, safety, schmafety, if yeah. I'm going to make 50 bucks in tips tonight. Dollar bills down the <laughs> fireman's. G-banger. <laughs> G-banger. Fortunately, they're not allowed to wear safety gear because they've got to try and be sexy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the firefighters, though, got a good look at them and later, while looking through True Detective magazine, recognised a few of the gang members and reported them to police. Oh, that is unlucky. That is unlucky. Police that tracked them. the magazine them. didn't burn in the fire. Yeah. yeah. But they're looking at Mugshot Monthly. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, just a little bit of light reading. Just going to flick through these faces. I'm at the dentist, a, so uh, what else would I do? <laughs> thought it was a real boon for my career when I got a feature in yeah. Mugshot Monk- Monthly. But Turns it's really out it got me bloody Absolutely <laughs> backfired. So police tracked them and one by one captured the members of the gang. Pierpont and Mackley received the death penalty. Okay. That's one of the worst ones. That is. While Clark received a life sentence. On September 22nd, Mackley was shot dead by guards when he and Pierpont attempted to escape with fake pistols that were carved from bars of soap and painted black with shoe polish. Pierpont was wounded and executed on October 17th. If, if it was your first time to a court case mm-hmm. and you, you didn't know much about it, the fir- your mate goes up first, gets the death penalty, you're up next and they give you life, mm-hmm. wouldn't you be like, oh, great. That means... Life, whole life. The, Thanks so much. This is the... Op- so I just get to live. Fantastic. Because yeah. death obviously is bad. Life is great. And you go to walk out of the court, you'd be, it, would be actually, it would be pretty embarrassing to, <laughs> way to start your imprisonment. Don't you think? <laughs> you turn to walk... Hang on. Um, why are you putting the cuffs on me now? <laughs> yes. I thought you just gave me life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for so life. much. <laughs> I will I will live it to the fullest. Thank you so much. I will go rob some more banks, I guess. Yeah. Let me bid you adieu. <laughs> I won't need these cuffs. Your Honour. <laughs> but imagine, I sentence you to life. Yes! <laughs> Let me finish. Imprisonment. Oh, oh fuck. That's misleading. <laughs> Come on. 
Objection. Objection. You're building me up to tear me down. <laughs> what is this? Tucker's Daughter by Ian Moss? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, no, back, I don't back, want the, an, I don't back want then, that reference oh. wouldn't have gone down very well because the song wasn't released until the 80s. But but luckily, <laughs> now you're yeah, killing. Now, it, now it's around that sweet spot. Yeah. Everyone listening just stopped and applauded. So, really? Yes. Well, a small amount of people did. Uh, probably Mossy's band. Can you uh, explain that to me later? Uh, I can. Tr- I can try. <laughs> can you not explain that to me later? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, it's just the again. chorus of that song. I've what just is? been. I've just been sentenced to life, and I want to live it. You build me up just to tear me down. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, that was worth it. So Dillinger was taken to the Lake County Jail in Crown Point, Indiana, and was to face charges for the murder of a policeman during their latest robbery ten days earlier. The local police bragged to newspapers that their jail was escape-proof. Oh, no. And that they had extra guards keeping an eye on Dillinger. But let's remember that the Titanic was the unsinkable ship. Because oh, okay. Good clue there. Someone's going to sink the prison. Because <laughs> on the morning of Saturday, March 3rd, 1934, Dillinger produced a pistol during morning exercise, catching the guards by surprise and managed to escape without firing a shot. Oh, wow. That just, was like, captured by a surprise, wasn't it? You shouldn't have that. Hey, what's that? Oh, this is exercise. You should have a tennis racket. <laughs> this, that's no good oh, on the court. a lacrosse stick. And then they look down at their gun holster and there's a tennis racket in there. <laughs> They're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Damn it. He's good. Turns out he's, uh, he's good at sleight of hand. There was speculation as to whether the gun was real. FBI files indicate it was a carved fake gun. Oh, who are these cops? A fellow inmate claimed that he'd seen Dillinger carve it with a razor and some shelving from his cell, but others claim it was a real gun that had been smuggled in by one of his attorneys. Who's being convinced by a... Sh- a, a bar of a soap. wooden or, or a wooden, bar of soap. Yeah, I know. Because the other guys had bars of soap that they painted black with shoe polish. That's not convincing. <laughs> why does your, your gun smell like lavender and why is it crumbling? <laughs> And uh, why does Phil over here have a bazooka on his shoulder? <laughs> Made of toilet rolls. <laughs> They're just taped together. Going, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Don't make me fire this thing because I can't. <laughs> Within hours of his escape, Dillinger went to meet up with his girlfriend, Evelyn Billy uh, Frechet. Oh, what happened to... That did not last. The worst name I've ever heard. Beryl Methyl Ethel or something. <laughs> oh, Beryl Ethel. Beryl Ethel. Oh, so the new Beryl girlfriend. Ethelene. He's upgraded to... Billy. Okay. Billy Freshet. Freshet. Oh, Freshet. Everyone's got three names Freshet. in this story. I know. It's very confusing. None of them make sense. That's because they normally do this for when crime stories, don't they? So everyone's just in case name. anyone's like, hang on. <laughs> if uh, I know a, a, a Beryl Ethel... <laughs> Oh, barrel ethyl methylene. Yes. yes. No, that's different. a different one. So I think, isn't that why they do like murderers and stuff over the, in and America will normally have three names? I think it also doesn't ruin the name forever. You're like, oh, I'm Mark Chapman. Not that one. Yeah, I'm don't Mark worry. Mark Gary Chapman. Yes. Example. Mark Who's Mark G. Gary Chapman? Mark David Chapman. Right. The John Lennon murderer. Yes, he really ruined that name. He yeah. really ruined Mark David Chapman. Whenever <laughs> I hear it, I think, oh, How that's dare the you. guy who, did he, what did he do? <laughs> JFK. (laughs) I get my assassins mixed up. So the couple travelled to the Twin Cities and stayed in an apartment in Minneapolis for just over two weeks, presumably lying low. During this time, he met up with John Red Hamilton, the one who had been in the Herman Lamb gang, 
and they formed a new gang, seeing as a bunch of their guys had just been caught and sentenced to death. Oh, I mean, that really does put a dampener on the gang. There's a little bit. Yeah, but job vacancies. Hey, in this economy. <laughs> no. And they kind of merged gangs. They uh, Their new gang consisted of themselves and Babyface Nelson's gang, another very famous bank robber of the time. And it included Babyface Nelson, Homer Van Meter, <gasps> Tommy Carroll and Eddie Green. This is a, they formed a super group. Yeah, no. <laughs> Playing they, all the hits. They did not waste any time. Three days after Dillinger's escape from Crown Point, the second gang robbed a bank in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. A week later, they robbed First National Bank in Mason City, Iowa. Now, there's a there's a Wikipedia wow. page that breaks down all of the activities of the Dillinger gang, uh, but if I went into all of them into detail, we'd be here for there's, hours. They're it's going huge. all over the map. Yeah. They're travelling around a lot, and, um, yeah, there's a lot of details in the breakdowns of each um, robbery. Uh, it's linked in the um, uh, episode description here if you want to read more about it, but... Um, there's something that I I think we should mention. This is a quote from uh, from the write-up about the robbery in Mason City. So it says, Meanwhile, crowds began to form outside after word had spread that a robbery was in progress at the bank. Whoa. Imagine crowding around to see a bank robbery. This is exactly what you talk about all the time, that people will turn up for anything. But this is dangerous. Why would you turn up? And watch some That's people crazy. rob a bank. Hey, Ma, the banks are robbing. Grab the chillin. <laughs> if, if a crowd can form, surely the police can also form. Well. <laughs> the cops are always the last ones to find out. What? Oh, for God's sake. James. Uh, everyone else heard it on the grapevine. Everyone's <laughs> calling around. No one's calling the cops. Yeah, out. don't. Hey, uh, bank robbie pass on. Don't tell the cops. <laughs> well, James Buchanan was an off-duty officer who had grabbed a sawed-off shotgun when he heard about the robbery and hid behind the grand... Army of the Republic Monument. Unable to fire because of the crowd of people, <laughs> he instead exchanged barbs with Dillinger. Oh, did a barb exchange. Of the robbers, Dillinger was the one was the only one for whom a clothing description could be provided. Light grey suit, dark overcoat, and a dark hat. Mm. Buchanan called back uh, for him to get away from the crowd and he would fight it out with him. It's like, hey, move away from the crowd so I can get a clear shot of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oi. Or are you, or are you a coward, Dillinger? Can you take a few steps to the right so I can shoot you, please? Hey, do you want to go? Let's go. You and me. Uh, we'll just step into the back of this police car and then I'll <laughs> fight you. Are you a real man? <laughs> <laughs> are these the barbs he was offering? Yeah. Buchanan said the Dillinger's upper lip turned into a snarl as he talked. Dillinger, armed with a Thompson, drew a thirty-eight from in, an inside pocket and fired at Buchanan, but missed. Oof. So that's the little write-up there about it. But I just found that so interesting that, like, crowds are forming. Are, are they, like, cheering and wooing? I don't know. Or are they just kind of looking? It's baffling. Because it is, It's just, like we said, a super group. They, yeah. There are three different famous gangs How often together. do you get to see oh. Dillinger in South Dakota, you know? Yeah. He <laughs> doesn't come. He doesn't tour through you too often. <laughs> Baby faces out the back signing autographs. Yeah. <laughs> they normally just do the, the major cities around the coast. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, regional. Wow, regional they must tour. have got a grand. Yeah. <laughs> Good on him. Good on him. And, you know, thanks for coming to town. A few days after this robbery on March 20th, 1934, Dillinger and his girlfriend, Billy, moved it into apartment 303 of the Lincoln Court Apartments in St. Paul, Minnesota, using the aliases Mr. and Mrs. Carl T. Hellman. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> <laughs> 
The landlord was a woman named Daisy Coffey, and she would spend her evenings furnishing apartment 310, which was directly across the courtyard from 303, which meant she could observe Dillinger and Billy. So she must have known who they were. Oh, a bit of a or at perv. least suspicious, been suspicious. Or she was a pervert. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, yeah, taking in the mail. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. That. Oh, cooking dinner, are you? <laughs> well, okay. well, what's on the boil? Yeah. <laughs> potatoes. Oh. Oh, I can smell it from here. I love potatoes. Hey, can I have some? <laughs> can I have some spuds? You can smell boiled potatoes from here. <laughs> She's a perv. <laughs> She's a perv, Matt. They've got heightened yeah, senses of exactly smell. Right. The perv. They're set off by anything, those pervs. This is you. You see, you're just pretending you don't know that because you're a perv. Yes, come on, perv. Come on, perv. I've got, I've, well, I mean, I can prove it to you. Um, make a smell and I'll tell you if I can. Don't what tell it is. me to make a smell yeah. in a small room. Way ahead of you, buddy. <laughs> I you can't, I you can't. Have, you have not picked up on it. Dave's yeah, taking his shoes off. That's what I'm trying off. to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been shitting myself all night just to test this perv. <laughs> smoke him out. No, that's why you've been shitting yeah, yourself right. all night. Yeah, because the, the moment Matt goes, can you smell something? Got him! <laughs> this one's a perv. You bloody perv. But, Put her away, perv. But, Dave, I haven't, which proves I'm not a perv. Damn it, you're too good for and me. That you're just sitting there in your own that's shit. True. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Turns out we're all whiffing. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> I mean, talk about a plan backfiring. <laughs> Awful stuff. <laughs> backfiring is what he calls it. <laughs> yeah, I've backfired a few times tonight. <laughs> Oh, we have fun. So Daisy Coffey, the perv, is watching them through, <laughs> yes. the, through the... through I imagine through the blinds is pulling them down one yeah. by one. Pretending she's cleaning. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's cleaning like the front windowsill for six hours at a time. Yeah. And it, they moved in on like the 20th. On the 30th of March, she went to the FBI's St. Paul office. I just for some reason find it funny you can just go to the FBI office. Yeah. But I suppose you can. Anyway, so she's gone to file a report telling them where the couple was living and about their new car. You know, just giving them... Giving him a bit of detail. Yeah, and uh, he wears boxes, not briefs. Yeah. So don't know if that's important. I'm I've not writing that. that down, Miss Coffey. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, please leave. <laughs> and put on some pants. <laughs> you perv. You, <laughs> you smell like shit, you yeah. perv. You smell like shit and potatoes. <laughs> perv. <laughs> the FBI is calling you a perv. <laughs> but also, thanks for pointing out public enemy number one. <laughs> they would know if anyone. Oh, exactly. Yeah. They'd probably have files on that perv because yeah. they're the biggest pervs of all. <laughs> Stop saying perv. It's just really funny. <sighs> anyway, as a result of Coffee's tip, the, <laughs> the building was placed under surveillance by two agents. <laughs> Just taking a sip of wine, you just spit it I just out. want to say, two perps. <laughs> Matt seems so uninterested in this. Oh, Matt, come on. Oh, I wonder why he doesn't want to joke about people being perverts. Well, it's not very funny. <laughs> it's a serious problem. Some people can't help being perps. Perf. <laughs> that weird deep voice you're doing, I love it. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, so the building is under surveillance. The two agents were Rufus Coulter and Rusty Knowles. Oh, oh. great name. It's so close to Rusty Nails. <laughs> it's N-A-L-L-S. I'm going to call him Rusty Nails. Also close to Rusty Balls. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, good point. <laughs> 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 it was a good point. Thanks for your contribution. <laughs> it is quite- 
<laughs> Good point. <laughs> what were you saying to us off air, Matt, that you were playing golf with Broden from Auntie Donna and he said he likes listening because you can zone out for a bit and come back in and you will eventually get back to the story? This is definitely one of those yeah. bits. <laughs> yeah, he said it, it's... <laughs> you don't have to concentrate too hard at... And you'll, st- you'll still hear the story. You can zone out. How could we expect people to concentrate hard if we can't? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's not fair. So um, Rusty Nails Balls. sat outside the building. Good point. And saw... <laughs> 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 he sat outside the building and saw... Uh, Coulter and St. Paul Police Detective Henry Cummings pull up, park, and enter the building. So he's kind of sitting outside watching everything. And he sees a cop go in. Yeah, this he, it's his, like, so Rusty Knowles is one of the agents and he sees his colleague and a police officer go in. Into John Dillinger's house. Yeah, and so he's outside, like, in case Oh, sorry, runs. I thought he was doing, like, a, a sting and he's like, hang oh, on a second. No, no, no. Turns out he's got the cops on his payroll or something no, like that. No, no, no. Um, so around 10 minutes later, he saw one of the gang members, Homer Van Meter, park a green Ford coupe out the front of the building. <laughs> the coupe? Yeah. yeah. Um, shit was about to go down. Yeah, this is awesome. You can see this happening in a movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. This definitely has a real movie scene kind of vibe. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also... Not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So 
Coulter and Cummings knocked on the door of apartment 303. Billy Ann said, opening the door just a couple of inches. She said, I'm not dressed. You'll have to come back. <laughs> oh, I bet. That's <laughs> the perv. <laughs> Confirm that with Daisy. Yeah, she's Daisy's like, she's like, naked. Yeah, she's not wearing anything. That's great. <laughs> she says, I'm sorry, I'm not dressed. Uh, you can't come in. And Coulter said, that's all right. We can wait. So while they're waiting, Van Meter appeared in the hallway. And this is a, a quote. It says, Coulter asked for a name. Van Meter replied, I'm a soap salesman. <laughs> Not sus at all. What's your name? I'm a soap salesman. <laughs> That's not a name. Asked where his samples were. Van Meter said they were in his car. Coulter asked if he had any credentials. Van Meter said no and continued down the stairs. Coulter waited about 10 to 20 seconds, then followed Van Meter. As Coulter, Coulter, Coulter got to the lobby on the ground floor, Van Meter opened fire on him. Ooh. So both men burst Here's out. Here's my credentials. <laughs> <laughs> and was it... A gun made of soap? Yes. But he was trying to sell. And he was like, can I interest you? Yeah. You seem to like guns. Yeah. I'll show you how it works. And cleanliness. <laughs> These bullets are also made of soap. <laughs> clean you from the inside. Yeah, clean the wound. So they burst out onto the street and remember that Coulter's partner, Noel, is just out there yeah. anyway. Yeah, Rusty's out there watching on. So he calls out and says that this man is home of Van Meter and to disable the green coupes. Like, I know he's, that's his car. So Coulter shot out the rear left tyre. But Van Meter managed to get away by hopping on a passing coal truck. It's very... What? It's very action film. That is a movie. Meanwhile, inside, Dillinger heard shots being fired and he opened fire through the door at Detective Henry Cummings, who scrambled for cover and returned fire. One of Cummings' shot hit Dillinger in the calf, but he ran out of ammo and retreated down the stairs and out of the building. Uh, Dillinger and Billy escaped out the back door of the building and got away. They fled to their friend Eddie Green's house. He was uh, one of the members of the Babyface Nelson's gang. Uh, and Eddie Green called Dr. Clayton E. May and they went to uh, someone's apartment. It belonged to a, a person called Augusta Salt. Fuck, that's a good name. Who'd been providing nursing services and a bed for May's illicit patients for several years. Patients he could not risk seeing at his regular office. Illicit so he's like patients. He's like a bit of a dodgy doctor. Right. Doctor well, Nick instead of being Riviera. like a doctor to the stars, he's like a doctor to the crooks. Right, gotcha. So they've been shot by a cop and they can't go to hospital because yeah. they'll be pinged. Exactly. So he has to go to this dodgy doctor who treated his wounds with antiseptics. So he's shot like, in the back of the leg. That guy in the movie that turns up doesn't really say very much. He's like, I don't want to know what happened. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So let me get this done. I just need to look like a different person by tomorrow. Maybe <laughs> yeah. uh, you can augment my breasts <laughs> and give me a new nose. You are... So, so close. Sir, I'm a barber. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want a haircut? Exactly. I can do my I can do a one or a two. But you are balding, so there's not (laughs) many options. It's probably the one, I guess. Yeah, one. One? One? Great. That'll be five dollars. So after these events, Dillinger took Billy to Mooresville to see his family. I don't think he'd been back there for a while. Um, On Sunday the 8th of April, the Dillingers enjoyed a family picnic while the FBI had the farm under surveillance nearby. Later in the afternoon, suspecting they were being watched... Uh, the group left in separate cars. Billy drove the new Ford V8 with two of Dillinger's nieces, Mary and Alberta, in the back and Dillinger lying across the floor of the car. Sort of like, oh, not here. Mm, Travelling in style. The following afternoon, on the 9th of April, Dillinger had an appointment at a tavern on North State Street. Sensing trouble, Billy went in first. 
She was promptly arrested by agents but refused to reveal Dillinger's whereabouts. Dillinger was waiting in his car outside the tavern and drove off unnoticed. How gentlemanly of him. I reckon there's going to be trouble in there. You go in first. You go first. Well, he did the right thing and he never saw her again. <laughs> she got arrested, wouldn't give him up, and he's like, bye. Mm, but I will give you up. I will 100% forever. give you up. Um, I will let you down. I will hurt you. <laughs> As the feminist of the show, I think that's fair enough. I mean, what, what are you saying? That because she was a woman, Dave, that somehow she needed to be looked after by her partner? <laughs> Mainly because she's not a criminal okay, mastermind. Here we go, Dave. Well, women setting, can't be criminal masterminds Setting now. the movement back <laughs> decades. <laughs> So it's all happening really fast. That's the 9th of April. By the 22nd of April, the Bureau of Investigations, it was called the Bureau of Investigations before like 1935, then it was the FBI. Cool. Ah. They got a call uh, that Dillinger and several of his uh, his mates were hiding out in a small vacation lodge called Little Bohemia in Wisconsin. That sounds nice. It does sound nice. A lodge. I'm imagining a lake. Yeah. Beautiful. Fishing. Yeah. Whereabouts is Wisconsin? Sit by a fire for a bit. It's one that I would never be able to place on the map. No, I don't think that's like the Midwest. Right. Okay. Um, Special agent in charge, Purvis, and several... (laughs) (laughs) Purvis. 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 Bloody Perv. (laughs) What are the odds of there being a character called Purvis? There was a Purvis amongst us all along. So he and several agents approached the lodge when three men exited the building and began to drive off. Agents yelled for the car to stop, but the men had been drinking and didn't hear the agents. You know how when you get so drunk you can't hear anymore? (laughs) But you still want to keep driving. Oh, you can drive. You can't hear shit. Driving goes last. Yeah, I don't drive with my ears. Yeah, it goes hearing, driving, seeing. Yeah. (laughs) You can still drive without hearing. And smelling never goes as long as you're a perv. (laughs) (laughs) Pervis. So agents opened fire on the car and the driver was killed. Oh, but they still kept driving because they did not hear the gun. <laughs> they could still smell. Could smell their way. The driver was killed. That's not It's not good, good, is it? So Dillinger and some of the gang were upstairs in the lodge and began shooting out the windows. And um, While the Bureau of Investigation agents ducked for cover, Dillinger and his men got out the back of the lodge towards a lake. That's why I was thinking lake. And were able to get out of the area very quietly. Once again, they got away. They just keep escaping. Yeah. By July that year, he'd dropped completely off the map. There were no leads as to where he could be. And as it turned out, he'd ended up in Chicago and was living uh, under the alias Jimmy Lawrence. The Windy City. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Lawrence, good name. Yeah, it's not bad. Desperate to change his appearance, he paid $5,000 to enlist the services of Wilhelm Looser and Harold Bernard Cassidy, a pair of underworld plastic surgeons. Oh, Underworld, do they focus on the nether regions? Yeah, they'll make your dick smaller. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mate, I can't make it bigger, I can't make it smaller. I can't make it smaller. Anyone who's seen your chop, will, it will no longer be recognisable to them. <laughs> I'll uh, lop the top of your chop. Uh, I'll shred no it. You'll have a shredded <laughs> chop. Exactly, so that Daisy Coffee will not recognise you anymore. Well, after an this, inter- I mean, think about how nervous uh, you'd be going to get in plastic surgery today. Yeah. And imagine... Back then. What year is this? 1910s? 30s. 1930s? <laughs> and also they're like, they're not on the books or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is in the golden age of 
plastic surgery, I think. Well, they anaesthetised him with ether, which is commonly used as a solvent in labs now and as a starting fluid for some engines. Mm. <laughs> so that's good. Um, and they gave him a rudimentary facelift, removed several moles and scars, filled in his famous cleft chin and used chemicals to burn off his fingerprints. Oh, okay. Wow. I, I love how they removed scars and probably created a few others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The procedure proved excruciating and Dillinger was decidedly unsatisfied with the results. Apparently, upon looking in the mirror, he supposedly exclaimed, hell, I don't look any different than I did. Oh. <laughs> But at least it was painful. Yeah. So they just cut, <coughs> cut off some moles. And burnt off his fingertips. Was it crusty on The Simpsons when he, he had a similar thing done, but it just made him look... <laughs> and he's like, I don't look any different. Well, uh, Crusty, I would say you look at least five years younger and your breasts... <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you didn't hear me complain about the breasts. <laughs> Under the alias of Jimmy Lawrence, Dillinger met 26-year-old Polly Hamilton. She'd been a teenage runaway who met Anna uh, Kumpanash, a.k.a. Anna Sage, and worked periodically in Anna's brothel in Gary, Indiana. Whoa. Wow. I want to visit that brothel. (laughs) (laughs) Burf. (laughs) Burf. Polly and Dillinger hit it off and began dating. Meanwhile, Division of Investigations Chief J. Edgar Hoover created a special task force headquartered in Chicago to locate Dillinger. Right. It's like a special task force now just for him. Um, Anna, oh, how did I say her name before? Anna Kumpanash. I really hope that the first time he gets caught, they're like, mmm, geez, he looks like him, but that mole isn't yeah. there anymore. And we all know moles don't go away. Moles are forever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Anna Kumpanash was a Roman immigrant, Romanian immigrant. Anna Kumpanash was a Romanian uh, immigrant and had been threatened with deportation. So in a bed to save herself from being deported, she offered agents information on Dillinger. The FBI agreed to her terms, but she was later deported nonetheless. Oh, dogs. She told them that Dillinger had been spending time with her friend Polly, who lived with her and her son. She told them that the couple were going to see a movie together the next day, although she wasn't entirely sure which theatre they were going to. There was two options. So the next day arrived and Dillinger asked Anna if she wanted to come to the movies with them. And she asked what they were going to see. And he said he'd like to check out the theatre around the corner, meaning the uh, Biograph Theatre. So not wanting to raise suspicion, she said she needed butter in order to make fried chicken for dinner. And while she was out, she called the FBI agents and informed them which theatre Dillinger would be at that night. I mean, that's a perfectly normal conversation. Uh, do you want I to need have, butter! Want to come to the movies? Uh, sure, where are you going? Oh, okay, great. I need butter. <laughs> are, you, are you coming to the movies? Butter, fried chicken. Butter! Butter. <laughs> Got a call. Butter! Edgar Hoover. I, I have to call J. Edgar Hoover. Um... So not wanting to take the risk of another embarrassing escape from Dillinger, the police were split into two groups. On Sunday, one team was sent to the Marbo Theatre on the city's west side, while another team surrounded the Biograph Theatre. I don't think it's good they split the party, to be honest. Never split the party. Good point. At approximately 8.30pm, Anna, Polly and John Dillinger were observed entering the theatre, which was showing the crime drama Manhattan Melodrama, starring Clark Gable. That's fun. Just a little fun fact there. Yeah. That's fun. Clark Gable, one of the greats. One of the best. Probably. I guess. At the time, federal officials felt that the Chicago police had been compromised and therefore could not be trusted. But during the stakeout, 
The theatre's manager thought the agents were criminals setting up a robbery, so he called the Chicago police, who dutifully responded and were waved off by federal agents who told them they were there on a stakeout for an important target. So they called the police and the police turn up and these agents are like, fuck off. They're like, this is not your jurisdiction. Yeah. yeah. You're going to blow, we'll put months into this. Yeah. <laughs> when the film ended, FBI agent Melvin Purvis... Stood by the f- stood by the front door and signalled Dillinger's exit by lighting a cigar. That was the signal. Both he and other agents reported that Dillinger turned his head and looked directly at the agent as he walked by, glanced across the street, then moved ahead of his female companions, reached into his pocket, but failed to extract his gun and ran into a nearby alley. So he spotted. He's like, "Cop! That's a cop! That's a knock!" Mm. <laughs> you but know him when you're Sam, don't yeah, you? you know, These no, cops. Because yeah. he's lighting a cigar and going, <laughs> oh, God. That's awful. That is fucking awful. Oh, my God. I've never smoked before in my Why life. Why people smoke these? What? Oh. Jesus. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> um, other accounts stated Dillinger ignored a command to surrender, whipped out his gun and headed for the alley. Regardless, he's run into an alley. Run into an alley. We're not sure if he's Got a gun or whipped it out or not. But agents had already had this alley blocked off, so he was he was fucked. Uh-oh. Three men pursued him into the alley and fired. Clarence Hurt shot twice, Charles Winstead three times, and Herman Hollis once. Dillinger was hit from behind and fell face first to the ground. He was struck four times, with two bullets grazing him and one causing a superficial wound to the right side. The fatal bullet entered through the back of his neck severing the spinal cord, passed into his brain that exited just under the right eye. That sounds bad. It's pretty bad. The first three sounded good. It's like, yeah, "Yeah, he's going all right. His luck continues. He's got a couple of new scars. Yeah. Grazed him. One, oh, got me in the shoulder, but I'll be right. But then one in the back of the neck is not where you want to get shot. Um, An ambulance was called, although it was soon apparent Dillinger had died from the gunshot wounds. He was officially pronounced dead at the Alexian Brothers Hospital. According to investigators, Dillinger died without saying a word. Well, I mean, he didn't have a lot of time, did he? Winstead was later thought to have fired the fatal shot and as a consequence received a personal letter of uh, commendation from J. Edgar Hoover. Imagine getting a letter for killing someone. I mean, I, you know, like that would you'd be like, mm. thank you. Yeah, do I put this on my CV or? Yeah, I'm not sure. J. Edgar Hoover is something about that name. It just rolls together. Yeah. I don't know where, which, how many words are in it. Mm. There could be seven parts to that name or two. <laughs> I don't know. J. Edgar Hoover. J. How many? Edgar Hoover. What, five. What is it? What is it? Is it three names? J. Yes. J. Edgar Hoover. Yes, that's right. Is that it? <laughs> His name is J. Edgar Gahoover. Yeah, it's German. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful name, Gahoover. So July 22nd, 1934, at approximately 10.40pm, John Dillinger was shot and killed only two months after the deaths of fellow notorious criminals Bonnie and Clyde. We've done a report on Ah, I did. I do put them all in the same time zone. I didn't realise it was... But not that close. Yeah, I didn't realise they were... And I did the report on Bonnie and Clyde, but that was a long time ago. That is not true. Did I? I did. Really? (laughs) I would have guessed Jess too. Ah, I love it. Yep. Huh. Did you really? Yeah, there you go. That's, I did a <laughs> That's very drama solo of Bonnie and Clyde in year 11. 
You I'd, can. I did the bonus report on the Mandela effect, though. I don't know if that's relevant here. <laughs> that's crazy. Sorry, no, Dave. No, you didn't. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, to, uh, no, to take the credit there. That's weird. It's part of the research I watched the movie. What did I do? Didn't I do one? Mm, You've done a report before. But the... <laughs> And now the ga- 30s sort of yeah, gangsters? Yeah, I did a 30 gangster one, didn't I? No, I'm thinking of watching the movie about Bonnie and Clyde. Right. Yeah. I give up. Anyway, so there are reports of people dipping their handkerchiefs and skirts into the pool of blood that had formed as oh, Dillinger lay in the tribute. alley. Beautiful trick. Yeah, people kept, they did the same thing with Bonnie and Clyde, I think, like tried to get souvenirs. And they pulled bits off them. Yeah, gross. Yeah, they wanted to, you know, see if they could wait till technology caught up (laughs) and create a new Bonnie Mm. Clyde and Dillinger. Here is Bonnie's earlobe. Can we create the rest? What can we do do with that? Jurassic Park style. (laughs) Get on an island somewhere full of gangsters. (laughs) Full of gangsters. Roaming free. It all comes from this amber. So Dillinger's body was available for public display at the Cook County Morgue. An estimated 15,000 people viewed the corpse over a day and a half. Wow. 15,000 people turned I'd up to look at that. his body. Wouldn't you queue up? To look at a body? I, I mean, love queuing anyway. These are so people, for, something, for an opportunity like this, These people oh, would have applaud a train. Yeah, these people suck. Get a life. Going, just lining up to look at a body. Yeah, that's I a little bit. I don't like that at all. Perf. <laughs> that's a bit perf. You'd really hate. Open casket funerals. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> oh, man. Because I know what they do to the arse. Do you reckon they gave yeah. him the treatment? Do you reckon they... They oh. packed his they packed asshole. Him? They packed him. It would have been an honour to give him the treatment. Oh, my goodness. To pack John Dillinger's asshole. Imagine being the one That's a dinner party pack. story right there. Normally, the morgue guy doesn't have the best yeah, stories. Jess, go on. Tell him. Tell him. <laughs> no, tell him what you no, did last no, week. I couldn't. I couldn't. No, no. Tell him whose ass you packed. Go on. Come on. Well, I got the Dillinger job. Oh, no. Yeah, I packed his ass Oh, wow. And did you see his weird chop that they tried to change? Yeah, it was shredded. It looked like that string cheese. (laughs) Wow. It was no good. Bigger stringers. Unrecognisable. (laughs) Nearly got away with it, too. Um, Anyway, enjoy the rump steak. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Dillinger's buried at the Crown Hill Cemetery in Indianapolis and his gravestone has had to be replaced several times because of vandalism by people chopping pieces off as souvenirs, just chiseling away a bit oh, of a gravestone. People, huh? What Crazy. about people? That's odd. His life has been explored in countless books, TV shows and films. In fact, a film came out the following year, which is like such wow. poor taste. The MGM crime film Public Hero Number 1, a different take, incorporated fictionalised details from Dillinger's narrative. He's also been played by names like Humphrey Bogart, Mark Harmon. Mark Harmon from NCIS. Yes. Whoa. Mar- Leroy Jethro Gibbs. Martin Sheen. Wow. And Johnny Depp. Who? <laughs> Mark Harmon. Mark Harmon. Holy <laughs> shit. One of the, some of the names there, specifically Mark Harmon, is uh-huh. one of the greatest actors that's ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> and also in the Simpsons episode... Uh, Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> I don't know if Roman numerals. I've just realised. What's IV? <laughs> Nine. <laughs> Dillinger. No, four, four. I, I imagine. Oh, yeah. four. I imagine for X in my head. I was like, I'll get ahead of her here. Four. <laughs> Stupid bitch. No, I'll tell her. <laughs> don't worry. We'll work this out. Uh, can we edit that in post? So I don't sound like a fuckhead. Perf. He appears as a member of the jury of the damned. I think Lizzie uh, Borden's in yes, there as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And then maybe is Blackbeard as well, and then he's scared of. Uh, he does want to sit in the high chair from Maggie. Yeah. Oh, this chair will be high, says I. <laughs> <laughs> but that is my report on Public Enemy Number One, John Dillinger. So 
fantastic report. So he was very popular with public people yeah. during, because of the Great Depression, but then public enemy number one. Is that like a term that like Edgar Hoover or whatever would? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's also sort of come from like from books and films and, right. and stuff it's like that Right, just a cool too. title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so interesting. I don't really understand why we idolise outlaws and stuff. I mean, even Ned Kelly here, mm. you know, he's sort of seen as a bit of a hero, but it's like, oh, he killed some people. Yeah, sounds like the, and this guy sounds like he's involved in quite a bit of death. Yeah, and and didn't uh, give a shit, you know, like he would get out of pri- break out of prison and just go straight back to crime. It's like his passion in life was robbing banks. And what year did he die? Uh, that was nineteen thirty four. So he's only like thirty one or something. Yeah. Wow. And he packed a lot into his life and into his ass. That's right. Into his life and in death into his ass. <laughs> but he only got out of. Prison in 1933. And when was he murdered? 34. Wow. He really... It was like 18 months. And before that 18 months, no one really knew who he was. No, because all he'd done was robbed a grocer. Yeah, that's right. He flew too close to the sun, didn't he? That happens. Like, you know, I don't think that's setting out for having a long, happy life, being a violent bank robber. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, Do you imagine yourself dying in bed in your 80s? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. I assume so on, on this pile of bank money. <laughs> Buy a beautiful bed, beautiful deathbed with that kind of cash. <laughs> oh, my deathbed's going to be so beautiful. <laughs> Apparently the band The Dillinger Escape Plan was named after uh, one of their friends watched a documentary on John Dillinger. There you go. So no coincidence. <laughs> I would have loved if you'd said, oh, wow, that's an amazing cool. I was really hoping it was going to be some other Dillinger. Yeah, this uh, lady ran a milk bar down the road and she always gave us a discount on the bags of lolly frogs and her name was Mary Dillinger <laughs> and we love Mary Dillinger. That's nice. That's nice. There's also the, um, <clears throat> there's also the pop punk band Dillinger 4. Okay. And I wonder if that has... Is there four of them in the band? Yeah. So there we go. Figured it out. Wow. There you go. Um, but that brings us to everyone's favourite part of the show. The Fact, Quote, or Question section, which has a jingle, I think it goes something like this. Fact, Quote, or Question. Perf. <laughs> yeah, it always remembers the perv. And the way to get involved in this is if you go to dogoonpod.com or patreon.com slash dogoonpod and you support us on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Edition Rest in Peace level, and you can give us a fact, a quote, or a question. There's a bunch of different levels, different prices, different kinds of rewards. Some of them give you bonus episodes, three per month. We just put out a fantastic one, I will, will say. Just did a bonus report on the men that have mailed themselves oh, in the post. I'd forgotten. And I was hoping you would remember and you weren't looking at me like, like what was it was Jess. And I'd be like, I don't know. But it was really, really yeah, fun and interesting fun. and very funny. And there's this, I've been listening to a song this week. I can't, I've been um, going back through my favourite songs of 2020. What's the song? One of them has the line in it, I, I put myself in a letter and mailed myself. <laughs> I'm like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> yeah, wow. That's crazy. Um, anyhow. So, yeah, a bunch of bonus episodes. We put out three a month, but that was just one that really stood out to me because I had a lot of fun uh, during the recording. Yeah, that was a, a, a banger. Um so people can get involved, uh, like I said, at patreon.com slash do go on pod or do go on pod.com. 
And this reward, though, means you get you get nearly all the uh, the bonuses and whatnot, voting rights and all that sort of thing, including voting on Jess's report today. But also, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. You also get to give yourself a title. The first one this week is Nick Fidian, who's given himself the title of the good old saint himself. Oh, my goodness. Would you believe he sent this one in in December? <laughs> Uh, and Nick has offered us a fact. Oh, not many people go for fact. I love facts. Yeah, I like it. It's the brave choice. Well, you're in for a, a real treat because three of the four are facts today. Uh, here is Nick's <laughs> fact. In the 90s, Great Britain went through a period now referred to by a economist as the Bean War, where supermarkets <laughs> attempted to outdo each other in how low they could price tins of beans. Dave. In an effort to entice people to their stores. It got so out of control that one place sold theirs for negative two pence per tin. At one point, no one could go any lower and the prices began to return to normal. And Britain made it through the bean war in oh, one piece. Goodness. That's great. I've looked into it before because people have suggested I do it as a, a report, but I just don't think there's not quite enough info. Maybe a bonus. Yeah, maybe. The, the bean war. <laughs> that that's sounds so great. Funny. I feel like Nick has just done a, a, a very yeah. mini report I there. That's probably the, the most interesting bit. Thanks so much, Nick. That's great. Well, Love that's it. Great fact. Very much. Uh, this next one comes from Graham Gadza. Gadsda. And he has given himself the title of Supreme Commander of the Michigan Anti-Ohio Army. What? Well, he's actually written Anit Ohio Army. So I don't know. I I kind of I misread that, but my, I might have misread it correctly, if you know what I mean. See that the Michigan Anti-Ohio Army, or as written, the Michigan Anit Ohio Army. Yeah, it's probably anti. Do Michigan and Ohio have beef? Apparently so. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, So Graham has given us a fact. Here it is. Hi-ho, mates. The great state of Michigan went to war... Okay, I think it's Andy. I think this is going to answer our question. The great state of Michigan went to war with Ohio in 1835 over the Toledo Strip in what is called the Toledo War. President Jackson at the time sided with Ohio because of its political power but he later did the trial of tears, so he sucks. Okay, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but well, there's a lot in this. I'm loving this. Trial of tears. Okay. Have you heard of that? The trial no. of tears. No, but I want. I think hear he was that. a bit of a loose unit, though. Andrew right. Jackson. He's on the ten dollar note or one of those notes. He's the one who looks like Wayne Hope, isn't he? Anyway, <laughs> his hair is pretty amazing. Like, yeah, sort of the got the devil's peak. Oh, fantastic! My favorite kind of peak. Absolutely. If you're gonna have a peak, Dante. Uh, number yes, two, yes. rounding out the three, of course, is Brett Peake, uh, Saints player. <laughs> Thank goodness there is one. In yeah. the <laughs> 2000s, played for Fremantle as well. Uh, anyway, Graham goes on. Ohio ended up getting the Toledo Strip, but the then territory Michigan, but the then territory Michigan ended up getting the Upper Peninsula, which, while being extremely larger than the Toledo Strip, is rich in copper and other ores. Cop that, Ohio, you fucks. (laughs) Uh, He says the lower peninsula of Michigan looks like a mitten and the upper looks like a fox head. Oh, cool. It's funny that you think the the states are fighting over territory up until still the the mid-1800s and maybe beyond that. That's the most recent that I know of. Yeah. And only. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, Graham. Wow, the two facts have been banging so far. This one, no pressure. <laughs> uh, 
Daniel Headley has written a question. He's called himself resident dickhead of the pod. Well, excuse How dare you come for my title? (laughs) I cannot believe the cheek of this man. Daniel uh, writes, do any of you have any connection to famous or people from past or present? And then I think he's done what we what we always like here. He's answered his own question, oh, that but I'll is good. I'll take your answers first. Um, any connection to famous uh, people from past or present? Yes, Jess, I know you're. You've got a good one. Yeah, I'm related to uh, one of the prime ministers of Australia during the Great Depression. Uh, Great Depression actually hit the day after he was sworn in, James Scullin. So is that like? He's known as the unluckiest Prime Minister or something, isn't he? Is it a coincidence or did he fuck something up? (laughs) Worldwide. Like he just pulled a plug. (laughs) And And they went, oh, God, not that one. He was actually holidaying at Wall Street at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, I mean, it's hard. That's a good one. It is hard to top that. that. I wish he hadn't gone first. My great, great uncle, Prime Minister. And now I, oh, actually, I think, didn't we read, we talked about it recently or I saw something about him. He was somehow responsible for the ABC. Not responsible, but like... Oh, yes. He was in charge when it, uh, went, like, the whatever needed to go through Parliament. Yeah, went to, to form the ABC. The bill or whatever. Which I now work for. So I have him to thank for my job. That's Nepotism at its <laughs> finest. you got to do a report on him one day, even a bonus. But I don't understand politics. Hey, I mean, so it'll just be words, yeah. yeah. All yeah, right, yeah. I'll do it. A biog? A, a biog. Do a biog. He's not even the most interesting prime minister, but I'll do it. Well, we've already knocked off Harold. Yeah, that was an interesting I one, mean, though. He went missing. Yeah. Probably still out there. I know my, some sort of cousin, like, um, you know, the, uh, I should know the title, but the Balibo Five. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Some journalists who that was—he was one of them. One of the oh, really? Them was related to and me. they did they disappear? Yes, I think they were. Yeah. Well, they executed something they were, horrible. I think yeah, they were executed. And his and he is also related. He's well, both of them more closely to my dad, but his brother, I think, is uh, the singer of the Painters and Dockers. Oh. Who I I uh, tweeted to him once saying, "Hey." <laughs> Oh, and I was drinking with my dad. Dad's like, yeah, if you message him and say, this is the connection. And he replied with some nice message back. Well, that's nice. Yeah, they're they're, they're probably the two. um, Dave? uh, The first Uh, camera one. My dad is Jack Black. That is a good one. I don't know if you've seen School of Rock. We talk about that all the time on the pod. It's (laughs) always about, you know, Dave starts every second sentence with my dad, Jack Black. My dad, Jack Black. Um, how uh, old's Jack Black? Is he old enough to be your father? Probably. Yeah, he's probably fifty. Yeah. So that um, uh, Tony Stewart was twenty-one. Uh, he was one of the journalists. All oh, right. Sound recordist. Um, All right. The Balibo Five was a group of journalists for Australian television networks who were killed in the period leading up to the Indonesian invasion of East Timor. The Balibo Five were based in the town of Balibo in East Timor, where they were killed. On 16th of October 1975, during Indonesian incursions before the invasion. Oh. Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously it was a little bit before my time, but you hear Barely. the story. The, the story comes up. Uh, you know, I think on the anniversary most years, you'll you'll see a story about it or something. There's been um, mm. documentaries and all sorts of stuff about it. It's something I really should look into it more. Yeah. 
Wow, uh, I didn't it sounds, know that. Yeah, it sounds like a. I mean, it's obviously a, a not a nice story. Yeah. Uh, my only real one is uh, working in the media. Sometimes, it, you know, very occasionally, older journalists will ask me if I'm related to Ross Warnicky, and that was my dad's cousin, and he was like a journalist for the Age and things like that. Oh, oh cool. nice. Yeah. So yeah, just the one PM. Just the one PM. Yes, he, he was quite a respected journalist. So, but if you're in the know, yeah, but was but he the prime in, minister? Uh, yes, but he, uh, no, but he, <laughs> but he was respected. So, mm. oh well, he's, yeah, it sounds like he's got one over you there, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't cause Fuck. the Wall Street crash. He uh, didn't cause it. Okay, he just didn't help. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for that question, Daniel. Oh, Daniel writes. I was told once that Roger Daltrey from the Who is my dad's second cousin. Whoa! No idea if it's true, but I'll take it. Or slightly less interesting, my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was William Headley, a locomotive pioneer whose fame was stolen by Stephenson of Stephenson's rocket fame. He created Puffing Billy, the original one back in the 1800s. Uh, He says, Patreon mini report, maybe. Anyway, hooroo and happy new year. It wasn't until late that I realised that uh, Daniel is obviously Australian. (laughs) The Puffing Billy... Oh, yeah. And then the hooroo <laughs> I've I've sold Ross Warnke short here. He, uh, for many years, Warnke wrote a column in the Age Television gu- uh, Green Guide, but he also often acted as substitute on Neil Mitchell's morning program on 3AW. Oh, there you go. So there's so. a shock jock as well. I, yeah. I definitely, I'm, the name rings a bell. And he, when I, was that? If I look at him, he looks a bit, I don't know if you remember what my dad looks like, especially when he was younger. He looks like my dad. Oh, oh like, yep. Which is interesting. But I think he died in 2006. There you go. Um, That's a good question, Daniel. Thanks for... I mean, I don't know if we gave the most interesting answers. Interesting. I'm I'm interested in... Fucking Prime Minister. Yeah. That's a a great one. Well, what do you people want from me? I mean, we would have liked a good Prime Minister, for example. Like a Menzies or something. Yeah, right. Gough Whitlam. Yeah, fine. That's my dad. My dad's Gough Whitlam. My dad is (laughs) Gough. No, it's honestly, it is so amazing. That you're related to a PM. Yeah, I know. And look at what <laughs> we have to show that, for so it. So you bloody old money over here. Yeah. Money bags Perkins, mm. they call us. I should say I also have a second cousin who was on uh, a few seasons back of The Block. Oh, my brother was on The Block. Your brother was on The Block? Yeah. He was, like, he was one of the builders. Oh, that's pretty good too. That's that pretty good. good. My friend Flanagan who listens to this show was a builder on there as well. I wonder if they know each what other. What if they know each other? Bloody hell. Hey, Flano. You know Mick? And stand-up comedian Andy Saunders was on. He was last season. I wonder if they know my uncle Scott Cam. <laughs> <laughs> does he any hosts of this, the show? Does hosts yeah, the show. I say, none of this has it's made any sense. It's funny that that question led to a lot of uh, Australian stuff. Yeah. Who do you, who are you related to? Oh, these this will get the international yeah, listeners excited. Bono, Billy Connolly. <laughs> Uh, oh, that would be great. So good. Well, uh, King James the First was obviously oh, a Stuart. Shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I imagine he wasn't a good guy, though, right? I don't want to claim. Barely it any kings are. Yeah, it's difficult to be a king and be, you know. Yeah. Nice. Uh, the final one comes from Miguel Acosta, who's given himself the title of Junior assistant amateur primatologist to Matt Stewart. A very important role. Very important role. Very important role. Maybe one day you can be senior assistant primatologist. (laughs) Senior junior. If you keep working. Uh, So this is uh, the final one for today, and it's another fact. It's a longish one. Let me have a crack here. The cryptid known as Trupacabras is rumoured to exist throughout all of Latin America, but the origins of the legend come from Puerto Rico, 
during our time under Spanish rule. The legend of the blood-sucking goat-draining creature spread uh, spread as Spaniards migrated from Puerto Rico to other parts of Latin America. The main difference between the general Latin American chupacabras and the Puerto Rican chupacabras is that while the Latin American one is described as appearing more dog-like or coyote-like in nature, the Puerto Rican one is described as being reptilian, as Puerto Rico is mainly rainforest, swamp, beach, and desert, and has no native dog-like creatures. I think the chupacabras would make for an amazing app, even though I don't think I've put it in the hat, though I definitely will. Funny, as I'm reading this, Miguel, I'm like, I w- I've almost done this a few times to put it up for the vote. I don't need to now. You've just explained it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Miguel. I said, P.S., I'm a history major working on my thesis, and not only have I started to go on a few times, I ind- introduced your pod to my supervising professor, and he said you three are the most talented amateur historical investigators <gasps> he's ever witnessed. Wow. Oh, my. Really? Can we get that written down? Well, I do. I mean, I'm reading like it. Like on like some sort of paper with like a university oh, seal? That, that would be good. But, I mean, he he's not done. He says, oh, no. so he's... <laughs> Oh, no, it's going to go downhill from here. Yeah. He's called us that, the most talented amateur historical investigators he's ever witnessed. Oh. Meanwhile, he called my last investigation passable. Oh, Miguel. Oh. Miguel, just be more like us. Exactly. Wing it. <laughs> he said, love you guys. Sorry for the long message. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Miguel. Oh. That's a, oh, what a great crop Thanks, Miguel. of so nice. facts. Fact, quote, question, and compliment. Yeah. Love. Oh, let's change yeah, it. Yeah, that's a, Matt, can that be a fourth option? Question or compliment. <laughs> yeah, I think I think people can just put a compliment in if they would. Just call yeah. it a fact, though. Or yeah. a quote. Call it a quote. Quote, quote yourself, complimenting yeah, quote yourself, us. Yeah. You guys. That is acceptable. so hot. <laughs> quote me. <laughs> 2021. Wow. Uh, the, thanks so much for those guys. And like we said, get involved at those websites I mentioned. The other thing we like to do on another level of uh, is we give a shout out to Jess when we comes up with a little game for us to play for each name. What are you thinking today? We could either name their gang or what the press call them, like public enemy number one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's better than I was going to say what public enemy number they are, like number <laughs> seven. <laughs> I think this is good. Yeah, so it's something, something, number one. Public something, number one. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. that's good. That's good. <laughs> I've got one. I'm ready. Oh. All right, well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't don't just give it to you. got to let you got to pick the right name because you, you yeah. can't just assign it before okay, seeing the name. Okay, yeah, okay, I've so got you, it. Yeah, okay, here we go. First up, from Dublin mm-hmm. in Ireland, <laughs> it is Siobhan Lavelle. Oh, great name, Siobhan. Um, Jess, have you got one? I do, but not for Siobhan. <laughs> Um, uh, public. <laughs> I nearly went toilet. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and it suits the next name better. Sorry, no, I wasn't. I was saying that was what because Matt was setting me up for whatever comes into and your you mind. Sa- and you said, "Oh, I was almost going to say this fucking stupid <laughs> thing. Imagine if I did. Well, I gotta, oh, I'd want to die I'm if gonna, that was what I thought." I'll tell Siobhan she's the public toilet number. No. One. no. All right. Um, what is Siobhan, Dave? I'll give it to you one more time. First thing, public scuba diver number one. Ooh, public scuba diver number one. In Ireland, yeah, exactly. Yes. You got to be brave. You got to be brave. Siobhan, thanks so much for your support, and thanks so much for being the public's number one scuba yes, diver. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry, Jess, but let's shut let's up, hear, Dave. Let's Matt, an- go, go, another name. go. The uh, all right, I'd also love to thank from Bexley Heath in England, John <laughs> Egan. 
public <laughs> number one. Because his name is John. Oh, I thought it was going to be like Brown or something. <laughs> John's pretty good. Public toilet number one. In a lot of ways, he's the public John number one. Oh, that's that's good. That is great stuff. Thank you. Hey, let's take a minute to imagine if I hadn't fucked that up. <laughs> Uh, uh, but didn't we have a nice laugh there? Uh, so, so good. So good. Jeez, it's it. We're still, we're hanging around uh, uh, the island and the UK mm-hmm. with, uh, from Galway in Ireland, it's Karen Nally. Karen Nally is the public... Syncopation expert. No, wow. <laughs> Number one. That's a coveted and... Sorry, what did I say? I blanked. What is syncopation expert? Dave? Keep, keeping in is time? That I, is that what I said? She's yeah, keep, keeping everyone in time? Yes. Two, three. <laughs> everyone is marching. March, <laughs> march, march. Classic Karen. Wow, good on you, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Karen Nally from Galway. Can I thank some people as a well? A Galway gal. She's a Galway gal. Yeah, if you could thank some people, that would be fantastic. Because her hair was black and her eyes were blue. Surely we can't have any more people from the UK or Ireland. Well, Matt, I love to disappoint you. (laughs) From London in London. London. (laughs) Where? I would love to thank (laughs) Hannah Hudson. Oh, public? Fountain. Number one. Wow, I wonder what the fountain of. Knowledge? Youth. Youth. Oh, for the public. Anybody can just help themselves with some youth. Yeah. So they just have to go chat to Hannah? I've got to get to London. Well, she'll tell you where the fountain is. Oh. Oh. She's the fountain of knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. And her knowledge is where. You answer these questions (laughs) free and I'll let you look at the fountain, I will. Look, can I. Yeah, you have to look at it. Can I touch the fountain? Well, you've got to answer another free question if you want to. Sorry, what's the first question? What's your name? (laughs) Matt. Okay, where are you from? From Melbourne. What's your phone number? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Say it. (laughs) Seven. Off you go. (laughs) (laughs) Off your pop. Say so she knew the truth. That's I love it. Sorry, Fantastic. Hannah, for that spot on impression just her, of your accent. That's just her using it to pick up. Yeah, totally. I'm a troll. What's your name? Where are you from? What's your number? What are you doing later? ASL. Answer me these questions for. <laughs> Want to come over to mine? Uh, I would also love to. Th- I live under this bridge. <laughs> <laughs> You're at it already. <laughs> Easy. Um, I'm a poo. <laughs> <laughs> I would also like to thank from Wolverhampton. Oh, go Wolves. Go Wolves. <laughs> go Wolves. <laughs> uh, it's not even that late here. Like, we've recorded later. Yeah, what has happened got a real witching hour feel about it. I would love to thank Connor Ainsley. Oh, Connor Ainsley, the public DVD player. Yes. Number one. Oh. There, there's not many around anymore. And that DVD player never skips. No way. It just keeps going. It's so good. If you've got a DVD player, which you probably don't, well, you don't need one because there's someone who's got one. I genuinely Connor. don't have one. I, I had one and it just survived somehow and I dusted it off recently because uh, someone's lent the Poirot box set. Oh, fantastic. And I have and I also found uh, the Futurama Season 1, which I'm looking forward to getting back into. <laughs> it's funny that I've, I have both DVDs and a DVD player. You wouldn't believe it, but I am that old. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Incredible. Well, you were like almost born last century. Yeah, no, I was. What? 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 So, God, what are you, 300 years old? <laughs> yes. 
Finally, for me, I would love to thank from Tonteg in Wales, Stefan Prince. That's a great name. Public. So it's another, so we're still in the UK. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, pu- public marksman number one. Oh, wow. okay. Are they the best shot in Wales? Best shot in, yeah. The Good pub- for Connor. And the public loves him for it. Oh, like an Annie Oakley kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Wow. Cool. Stephen there you go. Prince, Prince amongst marksmen. Very, very impressive. Dave, would you like to thank some people? I would love to thank from uh, Hove in South Australia. There we go. Going to have a real crack at your name here. Elise Jayeski. Elise Jayeski. That was a footballer with that name, I think. Jashki. 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 was what they, I'm pretty sure, if I'm thinking, never quite made it, Jashki. Sorry if that was your brother. Um <laughs> Very promising player, oh. probably. Okay, the public's brother, number one. <laughs> You're calling Elise Jashki public the brother public's number brother, one. Public number brother one. number one. So you can really rely on them. Like They're like family. Yeah. Elise is family. Public right. brother. And Elise is the public's brother That's number right. one. Yes, number yes. one brother to the public. Oh, I don't decide what the public call them. Yeah. Okay. What, so now only men can be brothers? That's fair, fair enough. I consider you two like brothers. Thank I should you. hope you think the same of me. It is mutual. Thank you. I do. Well, it seemed reluctant from you, Matt, but okay. <laughs> uh, well, let me take you back to England now to Shefford, where I would love to thank Tom White. Tom White. Thank you, Tom. And Tom is, of course, the public toilet. <laughs> Number one. Hang on. What's what? that? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. How have we run out of... How are we doubling up? What about... I'm thinking the public... nine names. The public... Urinal. What about public toilet number two? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. What were you thinking? Dave? I was going to say the public baker number one. Okay, that's better. That's Pub- better. I love the great baker. Yeah. And this is the best. Number one. Nothing and I don't better think, than a country baker. I don't think John Egan would want to share his coveted title of public toilet number no. one. So I think public baker for Tom. Tom White. Like yeah. The public baker number one. White bread. That's, what, mean, the, that's what the bakery's called. Oh, that is <laughs> That's what the bakery's called. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday night, we've lost our minds. <laughs> I've, been, I've been working for a very long time. My brain doesn't work so good anymore. But we, we're doing it. I finally would love to thank... We're still in England. Oh, I thought you'd done all three. I'm so sorry. Now we're in Stevenage. Stevenage. Great Britain. This is three names. Sam, John, Woodrow. Oh, Sam, John, Woodrow. Public attorney, number one. Oh, that's a great... Yes, you want them. Yeah. Public defender. Yeah. The best one, though. Sam John Woodrow, thank you so much for your support from Stevenage. We will be calling upon you when we uh, inevitably get into sued for slander. Thank you so much, Sam, Tom, Elise, Stefan, Connor, Hannah, Karen, John, and Siobhan. Your support means so much. It keeps this show running. You can get involved with that at patreon.com slash dugonpod or dugonpod.com. And the last thing we do before we wrap up the show is we induct a few of those, those fantastic... Sexy supporters. Oh, the Sexy hottest of the supporters. hot. Uh, who've been supporting us on the shout out level or above for the last three years straight. And uh, 
we let them into the trip ditch club. I'm standing at the door. I've got the clipboard. I've got the door list. I've got a velvet rope. I'm ready to lift it to welcome you in. Jess is behind the bar. She's got a few fancy, fancy cocktails on the go and some hors d'oeuvres. What yes. do you got this week? Well, it's like Great Depression uh, themed this week. So we have... <laughs> um, Ooh, uh, that is... Uh, What's class. it? We have moonshine. Oh, it's great. Okay. I don't think prohibition was necessarily in the same time, but we have moonshine. Mm. Lard. We've got lard. We've got potatoes oh, and gruel. <laughs> <laughs> you can smell the potatoes a mile away. Do we have any side meat? Uh, we do have spam. Chop. <laughs> Chops. <laughs> and uh, Devon. cheese. Cheese stringers. Government cheese. Government cheese stringers. Government oh, yeah. cheese. So enjoy, everybody. Tuck in. And uh, Dave normally books a band. Well, I've got not one but two bands tonight. We've got the Dillinger Four. There we go. Opening for the Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh. Can you believe it? Hey, what's that linked to? <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't book it in relation to the report. I've had these booked for, for months. Wow. It takes a lot of event planning. I've had people pull out. Are they playing their own songs or the or playing the songs each other's or... songs? Ah, okay. That's fun. And not well. <laughs> They have not rehearsed. Ah, uh, well, there's four inductees today, and the way this normally works is uh, I read out the name, mm-hmm. welcome them into the club. Dave's inside; uh, he's just on soundcheck with the bands, and he's in there. He's the hype man for I've both got... the bands, and that's he's... right. I imagine I've got a microphone. Yeah, you're on stage. Of course. You're just on soundcheck. You're hyping them in. The lights uh-huh, are flashing. Uh-huh. Check one. We've two. got a, a lighting chase happening as they're entering. Oh, fantastic! We change the lighting every week. It's yeah. so good. We've got a full-time lighting. And then Jess uh, hypes up Dave from behind the bar. Um, because he's just a whittle baby. And he, he needs it. He needs it. He Thank needs you. his mummy to hype him up, whittle baby. All right, guys, just a bit of a bit of housekeeping. The toilets are obviously back there. One of the Johns is backed up. Uh, so Public John number one. Public John, so use public John number two, but no number twos, because <laughs> that is what caused the blockage. Okay, okay. Okay, well, luckily after you eat that lard, you will also be backed up. <laughs> I don't understand if that's was that something Lard might do. I reckon it works, yeah. All right, so four inductees tonight. Let me go through them. Are you ready for this, Dave? Let's go, Dave. All right, let's welcome him in. All right, so Dave, for the first time listeners, Dave normally takes something from their name or where they're from, and he just turns that into some poetry. You are ruining momentum. (laughs) Okay, here we go. (laughs) First up from Eastvale in California in the United States, it's Rick Zoo. Put him in the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> By zoo, I mean our club. Because he's an animal. Yeah, he's an animal, he's baby. Wild. Yeah. Let him at us. Woo. I'd also love to welcome in from Melbourne <gasps> in Australia. It's Harvey Wiseman. Oh, the wisest man in the room. Yes. Uh, from Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire in Great Britain, it's Harriet Leighton Porter. Oh, what ails you? Well, I was a bit sad earlier tonight, but then I looked at the guest list and Harriet Leighton Porter's in tonight. Yes. And finally, from Adelaide in South Australia, it's Adrian Newman. Whoa, there's a new man tonight. And it's Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome down. Dave, look at me. That was incredible. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, I just. so. Good at I this. just woke up. I don't even remember what happened to. I know, and it's honestly every week a privilege to watch. Thank you so much. I mean that so sincerely. Thank you. And we are getting our website redone. It's been a slow process, mainly because we're very hard for I think for our uh, web designer to. Um, yeah, we are the clients down. from hell. Mm, um, we have blocked his emails. <laughs> 
but it is, he's he's doing Do a great not job. Contact us. We're looking forward to make a website. Don't ask any yeah, questions. What? What? Log in. I don't know. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Gen- genuine conversations that we've had. Um, <laughs> we suck. No, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to need a password for this? Look, I told you I want it to be blue. <laughs> I mean, there's all the, you know, you're coming back with this tech jargon. Hmm? WW, what? <laughs> Shove it up your ass. But anyway, he has said that he will be able to make gold glittery um, writing for the inductees into the Triptych Club. So that is that sometime this year. <laughs> Uh, whether or not we get back to him <laughs> and uh, finalise <laughs> that, we'll probably. Uh, but yeah, so thanks so much to Adrian, Harriet, Harvey, and Rick. The uh, please make yourselves at home. Kick, kick back. Everyone's got their own booth mm. if you want it. But mingle too if Once you want. Once again, Up to though, you. Uh, public John number one is out of action. <laughs> do not try. For future, we do will let him. you know when it is reopened. Yeah, we do apologise for any inconvenience. I am a hype man slash plumber, so <laughs> I'll be back there. Uh, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, thanks so much for telling that great tale today. Yeah, great oh. report, Jess. I did my best. So <laughs> Well, we enjoyed it a lot. So <laughs> your best is almost good enough. Thank you so much. If people are craving more Bot Perkins to get them through the week, Saturdays and Sundays are showing time in the afternoons. Uh, yeah. They can hear Jess playing all the coolest <laughs> Latest tunes. Is that what you do? Yeah. Play so, coolest, all the latest coolest, tunes. latest tunes? And anytime I post about being on Triple J, I will inevitably get a, tech, um, a, a reply from someone being like, I can't listen, but I'm happy for you. You can. You absolutely can. The internet exists. You are responding to me on the internet. Uh, just don't listen if you don't want to, but don't pretend you can't because <laughs> you right. can. Are you speaking to me? Yes, I have Dave. <laughs> yeah, you've written that every time. You say, I can't. I'm in America. Oh, God, sorry. I, I, I'm in the car. I can't possibly listen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. What's the website? Triplej.net.au. That's right. And there's a player on there. Mm-hmm. So sucked in. You dickheads. You got fucking. <laughs> you got got. Fucko. <laughs> uh, but Triple J loves music and you will too. All right. Um, thanks so much. For listening, Dave, boot this baby home. Uh, get in contact with us at any time. The links are on our current website, dogoonpod.com, to our Patreon, to our Facebook, Instagram, our Twitter. We've got an email, dogoonpod at gmail.com. And uh, you can always suggest a topic that we can cover. And you can do that by going to that website, dogoonpod.com, submit a topic. But until next week, we'll say thank you so, so much for listening. But until then, I will say goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.